Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. So I have a fun story for you guys. So most of you know that I worked at uh, Camp Nyakamin uh, for a few summers there um, in various roles. But once every about two weeks at camp, we would do a lip sync battle with the staff in front of the campers. And so we would do this battle, and then all the staff and campers would cheer to decide who would win that specific battle that week. So this particular week, I had just watched Melissa McCarthy, uh, yeah, Melissa McCarthy's Colors of the Wind lip sync battle on Jimmy Fallon. And it was hilarious, to say the least. If you can take the time, take the time later today to watch it. It's a, it's a good giggle. But basically what happened was she stood in front of this huge fan as pe- someone threw sticks and flowers and feathers and stuffed animals and paint and water all at her as she sang the song, Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. And I was watching it, I was like, I can do that. I can do that at camp. Of course, it's not going to be to that level, but it's going to be like camp equivalent of that, you know. So I was like, I can do this, and I know I could win. But the challenge was is I had to find someone I could win against. And I immediately thought of my one coworker, Mark. I was like, I got this in the bag. I can do this. I can beat Mark. Oh, yeah. So I gathered up my twigs. I gathered up my flowers. I gathered up my glasses of water. And I rocked the performance. I was dancing in this pathetic camp fan that like barely blew any air. So I think I stood there half the time blowing my hair back because the fan couldn't do it. And my coworker was throwing things at me and just like kept throwing things. I was like, where are you finding these things to now throw at me? I don't know where, but she kept throwing them at me. And I was like, I got off stage and I was like, yes, in the bag. Guess who's getting pied? Not me. Because the trick to all of this was that the loser got a whipped cream pie to the face. So I knew I had to rock this performance, because if I didn't, I'd be in trouble. So Mark goes up, and he grabs a chair and a guitar, and he sits his butt down in this chair and starts strumming the guitar, well, pretending to strum it, to the song Edelweiss from Sound of Music. And if you don't know the song, it is a very slow song. There's not much to it. It's just, it's kind of slow. So he's sitting there pretending to strum, just doing his thing. It's nothing fancy, nothing flashy. It's just, just doing his thing. And again, I'm like, yes, totally gonna win. Mine was so much better, totally got this. So at the end, the judges pull us both on stage and the crowd cheers for me. They go, yeah. Like a solid, modest cheer. I was like, yes, got this. And then Mark, they start cheering for Mark. And what I forgot to take into account was that Mark was a cabin leader, which meant he had eight grade five boys cheering for him just because it was Mark. Nothing to do with his performance, but only because he was Mark. 
So I got pied. I got pied. I didn't deserve to be pied. I put time and effort and energy into this performance, but I got pied. Apparently, this is something I still need to talk about with my therapist, so we're just going to write that down and save it for next session. But when was the last time you thought that? Now, I need to talk to my therapist about this, but I didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve this. This isn't fair. That person deserves to be punished for their actions. Or I don't deserve this. I eat right, I exercise, still can't lose the weight. I do all the correct things, yet my mental health still isn't great. I work harder than anyone else in my office, but my coworker got that promotion. They don't deserve that. Well, there's a few characters in the Bible that can relate to your frustration. And today we're going to be looking at the wonderful story of Jonah. And so the story of Jonah can be found in the Old Testament in a section called the Minor Prophets. And so the Minor Prophets are at the back of the Old Testament right before the New Testament. And so Jonah's a Minor Prophet, but what does that mean? It... Um, it means that his book in the Bible is smaller than the rest of the uh, major prophets. Uh, it has nothing to do with importance or um, anything else that he wrote was less important. It just has to do with the fact that his book of the Bible is just a little bit smaller. And same with the rest of the major and minor prophets. Minor prophets are just smaller. Major prophets had a lot to say. He's actually one of the few prophets that also doesn't preach to the Israelites. Instead, he preached to the people of Nineveh, the Ninevites. But to get a big picture of the story, we need to understand who these people are. So Nineveh is part of Assyria. And Assyrians were known for their fearsome army and warrior society. And that's the G description of who these people are. The Assyrians were the ones who eventually conquered the northern kingdom of um, Israel. That's like in the future. This hasn't happened yet, but it will come. But that's who the Assyrians are. And in my studying of this message, one of the commentaries that I read described um, the Ninevites and Assyrians in such a way that it just clicked in my head. And they phrased it that God asking Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites would be asking a Jewish priest to go preach to the streets of Berlin in the 1940s. That's how fearsome, brutal, and like really not great these people were. So just keep that in mind as we um, look at the rest of this story. So some of you might know the basic premise around Jonah, the basic backstory. So this dude, Jonah, gets swallowed by a whale, big fish. It actually does say big fish, and I blame these people for us calling it a whale. So also on a side note, if anyone has PureFlix, I would love your login to watch this movie. So you can talk to me afterwards. But this whale, big fish, uh, was actually only mentioned twice in the entire book of Jonah. He is a minor, minor, minor character in the story and not a focus at all. And instead, we're going to be looking at chapter 4 of the book of Jonah, where we'll learn that we show compassion to others because God gave us compassion even when we didn't deserve it. 
But even though we're jumping all the way to chapter 4, let's review chapters 1 to 3. And so Jonah gets called by God to go preach to the Ninevites. And Jonah immediately goes, no. And turns, literally turns the other way and runs in the opposite direction of Nineveh. And now we know why. Like, don't really blame him now. But he boards a ship, and God causes a huge storm to come over the sea, and the other sailors on the ship panic because of the storm. So Jonah jumps ship to save the others, and God shows Jonah compassion by sending a big fish to keep him safe at sea. The big fish swallows him. And after three days inside the fish, Jonah finally repents and recognizes his need for God, and complies with God's command to go to Nineveh to share the name of the Lord. And to tell these wicked people to repent, or else God will smite them. Just wipe them off the face of the earth. So Jonah goes and shares about the Lord, and guess what happens? The Ninevites repent and turn to God. Jonah's mission was a success. This should be something we're celebrating. It was a success. He went and shared the good news of God, and these people turned from their wicked ways and came to know God. And this gets us to chapter 4. So let's read chapter 4 together. If you have your Bibles, um, either paper or online, whatever works for you. So Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love and Bounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant that made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of this plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so it would be withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes! I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should, it not, and should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and so much cattle? I have to say... Jonah throws a hissy fit. The Lord saved all these people, and he just sits his butt down and complains. Like, yeah, they weren't great people. They were, like, really not good. But, like, come on, dude. They came back to God. And so my first conclusion from this book is that we need to know that God shows us compassion first. So I'm going to be talking a lot about compassion this morning. But what is compassion? The wonderful online dictionary uh, describes compassion as sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. 
In the Old Testament, the word compassion would be liked with the word sympathy. So they would kind of go together. But at the root of both of these words is love. And when reading about compassion, it means it needs to be practiced. It's not a passive word that you can just kind of sit by and, oh, yeah, she's compassionate. No, you need to be actively living out compassion to be compassionate. Jonah was literally swallowed by a big fish for him to finally understand what compassion meant to him. God loved Jonah even though he was a ding-dong and ran away from him. And he was compassionate even though he knew that he didn't want to go. So let's dive into the text a little bit. So verse 2, Jonah prays to God. Wow, that's nice. But this word prayer here is actually better translated pronounced judgment. Jonah pronounced judgment to the Lord. Jonah was trying to take over God's role. It's a little awkward. The Lord had been compassionate to Jonah, shown him love and grace when he didn't deserve it. And Jonah turns around and says, this is where you're wrong, sir. This is, this is, where, this is where you need to smarten up. Pronouncing judgment means that Jonah was trying to make the final call on these people. Jonah went to Nineveh with an ulterior motive, and that was to see the demise of Nineveh. For a moment, I'm sure he thought he could never turn to God. He, God has to show them the same justice that he shows everyone else. Let's continue reading in verse 2. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah says all these wonderful things about God and his character. Jonah knew that God was merciful, forgiving, and wanting to show compassion, an undeserved compassion. But as Jonah was saying all these things, he was really hoping that God would not follow through, and maybe just this one time he would change. God knew, Jonah knew that God was compassionate because he was first shown compassion. But Jonah got stuck in the seemingly idea that the Ninevites did not deserve to be shown compassion. Even though the Ninevites had done the right thing, Jonah was still mad. God stuck to his word and did what he said he was going to do. But Jonah was just so stuck in this idea and just so mad, so mad that he wanted to die. I've personally never been there. I usually get so mad that I want to cry before I do anything, but... But this actually also isn't the first prophet to proclaim to God that they wanted to die. Elijah in 1 Kings 19 proclaimed to God that he wanted to die. But Elijah's mission wasn't successful. And that he wanted, uh, he was trying to show the people that their God, Baal, lowercase g, God, was not real. And the people refused to see it. But Jonah's mission was a success. The people did repent and come to God. And what did Jonah do? He sat his butt down and watched over the city, hoping this one time um, God's character would change and he would smite the people. He thought this was compassion they did not deserve. They had done years of wrong, years of torture, inhumane and human sacrifices. How could they turn their hearts and to God and, sh and how could God show them compassion? 
Jonah believed that his people, the Israelites, were the only ones that should be able to receive God's compassion. They were God's chosen people. The ironic thing is that even though these people were set apart, they wanted to be like the other people. When Moses led uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, they complained the entire time and wanted to go back. And then the judges weren't enough for the Israelites either. They wanted kings like the other nations, and look how that turned out for them. It wasn't great. Jonah firmly believed that he deserved compassion, and God should only show it to him. God should not show compassion to others. We show compassion to others because God first showed us compassion, even when we didn't deserve it. My second conclusion in this passage is that God shows compassion to others. God isn't just my God. He isn't just your God. He's the God for all the people, including the others. But who are these others? It's a great, the others. It's a great fluffy term. But who are they? Previously, it could have been any enemy of Israel, like the Egyptians or the Babylonians. But who is it for you today? Is it the unvaccinated? The vaccinated? Those who are on the opposite side of the political spectrum? Those who identify as part of the LGBTQ+. The others that I'm talking about are those who you do not think deserve God's compassion. Maybe you've already pronounced judgment on them instead of praying for them. It's the people who shouldn't get God's compassion, and you might throw a hissy fit if they do. This next part is super interesting to me, starting in verse 4. God asks, do you have a right to be angry? And we kind of just read that and then move on to the next paragraph. But if you read it in, like, sequential order, God asks, do you have a right to be angry? And Jonah turns around and walks away. Just no response, just walks away. Just the audacity of this man, the gull. I don't know if you've ever had someone just turn around and walk away in the middle of a conversation. I have. I work with youth on many occasions. I'm in the conversation with them and they go, I'm like, where are you going? We're not done. Like, we are in the literally the middle of a thought. And they're just like, I'm like, no, you have to come back and finish the conversation and then make a polite excuse to leave. And they're like, oh, I'm going to leave now. I'm like, ah. But just the audacity of Jonah to be like, and just turn around and walk away. Okay, sir. Okay. And then God uses this great illustration to get his point across. He uses this plant to show that he cares so much for others. That Jonah shouldn't just care about what impacts him, but everyone God cares about. God continues to show that he is for others all throughout the Bible. And it's not just for the Israelites. And on many occasions, God was also really ready to be done with the Israelites. A prime example is when Moses came down from Sinai, Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. And the Israelites had built a golden calf because Moses was taking too long with God. Okay. Or when they spent 40 years walking in a big circle in the desert because they kept wanting to go back to slavery instead of the promised land. God had to keep sending prophets uh, to the kings and the people because they weren't listening. And, but they would just end up tuning out these prophets anyways. Just walking away from a conversation. 
God is compassionate to everyone, and he's going to pronounce, and if he's going to pronounce judgment, he's going to do it justly and graciously. He is compassionate to others. I have another camp story for you guys this morning. So over Mother's Day weekend, we off, Nackman would host a single mother's retreat. And so this would be for single moms who had kids who often couldn't afford to go to send their kids to regular camp or attend um, our family camp weekends. And so they would be at a subsidized rate so that they could be able to afford it. And so there were activities and age-appropriate teachings for all the kids and uh, time for the moms just to recharge their batteries um, as well. And so I, so myself and a group of the other staff were watching over the elementary age kids um, and hosting activities and crafts and games and all that fun stuff. And so we're standing downstairs in the room waiting for the kids to come and it's the first session. So all these kids come flooding into this room. It's absolute mayhem. And there's this group of kids, I believe it was from two or three families. So there's like five or six of them. And they all come up to me and they look at me and go, we're the bad kids. And like, it's funny at first, and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Like, I don't, okay, whatever. But these seven, eight, and nine-year-olds who are incredibly intelligent, funny, full of energy, and victims of their circumstances were told that they were the bad kids. Someone had pronounced judgment over them before they could even hear the good things that they are. And that label stuck. Someone decided that these kids didn't need compassion or maybe that person's compassion ran out that day. And instead, they're now, now called the bad kids. Galatians 3.28 shows um, this to us today, that we are all God's people. God is for the others. It's not just the Israelites, it's not just the Christians, it's not, it's not just Crosspoint, but he's for the others. It doesn't matter who you are. God shows compassion to others. I think one of the most controversial times of the year in Canada is roll up the rim. And the age-old question that comes with this time of the year. So say I were to buy myself a coffee and I'm so kind and so nice and such an amazing friend, I also buy Micah a coffee. So we both get a coffee. Yeah, we know that he needs it, yeah. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> um, so I were to buy Micah a coffee, we roll up the rim, I don't win anything because I never win anything, but Micah wins something because apparently he always wins something. Whether it's a donut, a coffee, whatever, a TV baby, who knows? He always wins something. But who gets the prize? Some would argue that I, the one with the official receipt that says that I purchased the cup, should get the prize. Others would say, no, 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 no. That coffee has left your possession, and it is no longer yours. Obviously, Micah gets it. But who really deserves it? Should it go all the way back to you, the people of Crosspoint, because you're the ones that pay me? 
what if, I mean, you, you would be getting like one two hundredth of a donut, so it'd really just be a crumb or like a sip of coffee. Hope you don't backwash into it. Like, um, what if Micah just throws away the cup without opening it? Should I go back into the garbage and pull it out? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think many of us are bold enough to assume that Rob doesn't get the coffee he left. And Delaney doesn't get the coffee because she doesn't drink coffee. So why should she get it? She doesn't deserve it. So who deserves it? And I know many of you are going to come up to me afterwards and tell me your thoughts on this. But the reality is, is it's no longer roll up the rim and it's some weird online thing that I just can't get behind because I don't have the time or the energy to figure that out when I don't like Tim Horton's coffee. So, and I always, it's just a sick cycle of me buying coffee to try and win and I never win. So, so I always lose, so it's not worth it. But who deserves it? Do you get what you deserve? I'm gonna make a bold assumption here. I think a lot of us are full of ourselves. And after hearing about Jonah, we think, we sit back and we go, Wow, what a whiner. Just come on, dude. Do your job. God called you to do this. Just do it. I could have done better. But I would actually argue that many of us are very similar to Jonah. I mean, think about it. Who to you is untouchable and not worthy of God's love? The final conclusion I have for us today is that the cross is undeserved. While Jonah didn't know what would happen afterwards, um, and many people didn't know that this Jesus would one day come and walk the earth, uh, there were already rumblings of someone greater coming. And God recognized that he needed someone to come in and sh show even more compassion. Because for whatever reason, us humans keep getting it wrong. I think maybe like a minor part is this thing called sin. And Jesus was better than Jonah. It says in Matthew that Jesus literally said, I am better than Jonah. One of the things that Jonah did was he just went in and said, turn to God. You need to repent or he's going to wipe you off the face of the earth. Turn to God. You need to repent. He's going to wipe you off the face of the earth. And just left it at that. Whereas Jesus came, taught, and discipled. He didn't just stand there like Jonah saying, you need to turn. Don't be like Jonah. Just like, you know, turn. Come back to God. No. He showed compassion to the others. His disciples were the tax collectors, the fishermen, and the women. The others of that society wasn't ready to forgive and let in. The other thing is that Jonah, um, Jonah wanted to die because he didn't get his way. He wanted to die because he was mad, not as a sacrifice. Jesus recognized he needed to die as a sacrifice so we could have a relationship with God. And he died for me, he died for you, and he died for the others. The cross is undeserved. I don't deserve that amount of compassion. Then the story of Jonah ends. 
with God asking, don't all these people deserve to know me? And we're left with a cliffhanger. I don't know what happens. Maybe Jonah sasses God a little bit more. Maybe they like duke it out. I don't know what happens. It just ends. But thankfully, we're left with the bigger picture, that Jesus comes and dies on the cross even when we don't deserve it. But I wonder how many of you sit back and pronounce judgment and lack compassion on someone or maybe a group of people before you can consider what God will do in their life. We joke about the phrase, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we all had those like little bracelets and bands back in the early 2000s. They were great, good reminders. You had like a whole stack of them on your arm. But I think in these moments, we need to take time to show compassion. What would Jesus do? He would show compassion. Let me be the first to knock you back a step because the Lord has knocked me down a flight of stairs many times. You're not better than anyone else. Don't be Jonah. You're not God. You cannot pronounce anyone's judgment. Instead, show compassion. Show the love and grace that you have been shown by the creator of the universe. So, do you have a right to be angry? Will you join me in prayer? Father, I pray that we have just heard the, as we have just heard the story of the prophet of Jonah, that we wouldn't be like him. And instead, may we strive to be like Jesus, full of compassion because you first showed us compassion. May we know that you are a God full of love, justice, and mercy. As we go into our week, may you enlighten us to who the others are in our lives. Help us to show them compassion. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.